How's it going, everybody? Adrian here from The Gaming Observer, and welcome back to your daily news update for Monday, January the 18th. Super excited to be back with the news here. We had lots of stuff from the weekend, so we're definitely going to go over that. Uh, before we do, I should mention that we just had a big report from noted journalist Jason Schreier. He's really well known for releasing these big exposés about game development and the, the perils and pitfalls of them. And recently, he put one out for Cyberpunk 2077. Now, I don't think anything in that report is all that surprising, but I do think it's interesting. So I'm not going to talk about it here on the show because, let's be honest, we've covered it enough. But it's definitely an interesting read. I encourage you to check it out. Okay, let's talk about the news. The first thing we're going to do here is look at the NPD report for December and for 2020 as a whole. Just to remind you, this is a company that collects sales figures across the entire gaming industry in the United States. First of all, is hardware. So with the new consoles being released in November and then, you know, of course, bought en masse for Christmas, uh, December was a really big month for hardware. It actually achieved the highest total for a December month since 2013, which is when the previous generation of consoles were released. However, for 2020 as a whole, the Nintendo Switch was the best-selling console, uh, and that is despite it being three and a half years old and competing with the Series X and PlayStation 5. Now, granted, it had the whole year to sell the console as opposed to just a few months, so maybe 2021 will be a better indicator as to how it stacks up against them. And in fact, the only time that a console has performed better in a given year was the Nintendo Wii in 2008, so that's a pretty good record. Now, as for the video games themselves, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War was the best-selling game in the United States for 2020, as expected, and Modern Warfare actually took the number two spot, which is pretty crazy. This marks the 12th consecutive year that it is the best-selling gaming franchise. Animal Crossing New Horizons took the number three spot for 2020, and that doesn't include digital sales. Nintendo does not share their digital sales with NPD, so it's possible that it could have dethroned Call of Duty if they factored in digital sales of that game. We'll never know. However, it is also the best physical release for Nintendo since uh, Wii Fit in 2010. And then we'll finish it off here with Cyberpunk 2077, of course, one of the more notable releases of 2020. Uh, it finished as the 19th best-selling game of the year without digital sales included, and with only 20 days of tracking, so that's a pretty good ranking. And for the month of December, it was actually number two behind Call of Duty. So anyway, those are the highlights of the report. I left some stuff out, but I thought those were the interesting bits. We had a spark of controversy regarding Hitman 3 this weekend. So I'm going to keep you in the loop here. Developers IO Interactive had promised players that if they owned Hitman and Hitman 2, they would be able to import that data into Hitman 3 so that all of the content from the, all three games could live in one place. They're essentially setting up the first two games as DLC, which you're given for free if you already are in possession of the games. Now, for console players, it's no problem. Very easy to implement. On PC, though, Hitman 3 is a timed exclusive on the Epic Game Store. So in a blog post, they said, hey, we're running into an issue. You're not going to be able to import the first two games if you already own them on Steam. You can't have this platform crossover. And in fact, you can't even get Hitman 2 on the Epic Game Store, so it wouldn't work at all. This wasn't great for a game that was coming out in just a few days. And thankfully, it, it appears as though the whole thing has been remedied. Epic CEO Tim Sweeney mentioned that he wasn't going to have it. He didn't like that that was going to be a problem. And then they also tweeted out, hey, we're working on this, and in a few weeks, this whole thing is going to be patched. You'll have the game. Having it on Epic won't be a limitation. So anyway, this is an issue that was caused and resolved, but all things considered, while it may take a little bit for those systems to get implemented, they handled the situation quite nicely. 
All right, final story here. You might have heard about a company called Limited Run Games. Basically, they take games that are usually digital only, such as indie games who can't afford a physical release, and they give them a quote-unquote limited run of a physical boxed copy. Well, the most recent game that they did is Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, the game, which was hotly anticipated. It was given a bunch of special editions, included a bunch of collector's items. Obviously, a lot of people were waiting for this game to come back, and they were going to sell it on the Nintendo Switch and the PlayStation 4. Well, Limited Run announced today that it was their most successful release of all time, selling 25,000 copies in under three hours. It's super cool to see. Uh, I love that this company is doing well because they're doing a really cool thing. And I'm sure if you're a collector, then you, you know about these guys. But if you've never seen them before, some of your favorite indie games have had a physical release thanks to them. They're worth keeping an eye on. Anyway, folks, those are the four major stories from the weekend. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'd also like to thank Damocles, SG Mustadio, and Eric for leaving me five-star reviews. It's greatly appreciated. And I'll be back with the news tomorrow. All right, folks? So until then, happy gaming, everyone. Yo, yo, it's the TGO After Show. Welcome, welcome. I guess I can talk about some of the more interesting tidbits of the Jason Schreier report on the After Show. Okay, so one of the interesting things is that one of the reasons why leadership never really pushed the release date back or recognized that there was an issue with the progress that they had made was that they thought that things would just magically come together because that's what happened on The Witcher 3. I guess in the last few months of crunching really hard of The Witcher 3, things happened to come together and it worked out for them. But it's actually a similar sentiment to uh, Bioware. Because Bioware had something that they internally referred to as Bioware magic, where the development of a game was chaos and crunch and overworking like crazy, and nothing would be going good, and then magically at the end, everything would come together. So for all of your beloved Bioware games, that's how they were made, and, you know, it established this reputation of, hey, we can do anything. And then you had games like Mass Effect Andromeda and Anthem. So I thought that was one of the interesting ones. They thought it would just magically work. Uh, another takeaway, the E3 demo that we saw, which showed off, you know, a bunch of the gameplay. I think it was a fairly lengthy demo where it showed off a whole bunch of mechanics of the game and whatnot. Uh, just totally fake, entirely fake. They spent months of working on this demo to make it look really, really good. And that took away from the actual development of the game, which ended up not including many of the things that they showed in the demo, which was supposed to be a vertical slice of the game that was accurate. Here's another interesting one. Uh, they announced Cyberpunk in 2012, but they didn't actually start making it until 2016. Like, you know, hardcore, full-time. And part of the reason for that was because it got a new director, Adam Badowski, and he shifted the entire game from third-person to first-person. And then here's an interesting quote from Jason on Twitter. He said this, quote, And if you're wondering why the police system in Cyberpunk 2077 is so janky, well, it was all done at the last minute. As is evident by the final product, it was unclear to some of the team why they were trying to make both an RPG and a GTA with a fraction of Rockstar's staff, end quote. So again, you know, none of these things are really all that surprising, um, and in large part thanks to someone like Jason, who has done a lot of the reporting on these companies, we're hearing the same things over and over again. But also, it just kind of confirms the suspicions that you probably already had, right? The developers knew that this game wasn't working, the leadership forced them to send it out, and they made their money. 
There was also a pretty uh, humorous attempt at a rebuttal on Twitter by the game's director, Badowski. But he basically only addressed, like, a few points to make things look as good as possible for him. And also, you know, completely ignored anything about the crunch accusations or any of the real problems, I guess. And they also denied an interview or any kind of comment from, uh, from a request by Jason. So it's really quite transparent, this whole situation. Anyway, once again, I, I do encourage you to actually read the report. It is quite interesting. And uh, yeah, I think that's all I want to talk about today. Thanks for being here, folks. I'll talk to you tomorrow.